0: Welcome to the Alliance Party After Dark, a podcast for the politically aware brought to you by the Alliance Party. Content for this episode was recorded on Friday, December 20, 2019. And a good evening to you. I'm Dan Schaefer, producer of the podcast. This evening, we're talking with Elizabeth Melson, president and founding board member of the Virginia chapter of FairVote. Now, what is FairVote? Well, FairVote is a nationwide organization that is dedicated to advancing ranked choice voting as a means of providing fair representation in our elections. They are a nonpartisan champion of electoral reforms, and they believe in giving voters greater choice, a stronger voice, and a representative democracy that works for all Americans. Though she's president of the Virginia chapter of FairVote, Elizabeth, along with her husband and daughter, resides in a fairly rural area near the Shenandoah National Park. Elizabeth is a successful businesswoman in sustainable agriculture. Initially she got involved in local level party politics, but she has since become a self-labeled rural independent. She values transparency in government and she appreciates candidates who can debate civilly about the issues. She believes candidates should earn their constituents votes without divisive campaign tactics and she puts actions to her words. She's been working with local representatives to introduce ranked choice voting in the Virginia General Assembly since 2016. Elizabeth earned a Bachelor of Science in Sociology from Northern Kentucky University and a graduate certificate in Business Administration Essentials from Shenandoah University. She serves on the boards of statewide organizations related to agriculture and marketing, and she advocates for a reformative justice system as well as alternative energy. So this evening we're going to focus on Fair Votes activities in the state of Virginia though whatever state you live in probably has similar activities taking place. Elizabeth is here to chat with us and help us get a better sense of what ranked choice voting is all about. She'll also comment on some of the challenges taking place on a local level, as well as share some of the victories. So, Elizabeth, uh, welcome to the Alliance Party After Dark. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I hope that introduction did you justice. Indeed. (laughs) Okay. It's a pleasure to have you with us this evening. Let's start off by just talking about ranked choice voting itself. Uh, this seems to be a, uh, obviously an alternative to what we call plurality voting, which it's a mechanism that's taking place or that's widely deployed in this country. Could you sort of describe the, what ranked choice voting is and and um, tell us what its advantages are over the plurality voting mechanism?
1: Sure, um, in, in elections where there are three or more candidates Voters rank the candidates from their most preferred to their least preferred. Um, that part of it is simple and empowering. We rank things every day in our life. Um, then comes tabulation. And in that, in RCB elections, we require candidates to win with a true majority. So in a single-seat election, that would mean that 50% plus one you know, is what would get a candidate elected. So if a candidate receives more than half of the first choice votes, they win, um, just like any other election. But if not, we go into an instant runoff where the candidate with the fewest votes is eliminated, and the voters who pick that candidate as number one will have their votes count for their next choice. And the process continues until a candidate wins with more than half of the votes. And we have a few videos on our website, fairvotevirginia.org, that explains this more visually for those that might need
0: that. Okay, so that sort of guarantees that, or not sort of, but it actually guarantees that uh, whoever wins the election will then um, get past that 50% mark. So you don't have a situation like in plurality voting where let's say just theoretically you have like 10 people running and one person gets 11% of the vote and everybody else gets, you know, 9.9% of the vote. That person wins, even though he or she did not get a popular mandate.
1: Exactly. So, So, you know, there, there's definitely situations in local elections and primaries where the winning candidate in a plurality election may win with like 33% of the vote, which means, you know, over 60% of the population didn't actually care for that candidate or want them to be elected.
0: Yeah. And I think that's sort of a psychological thing on on voters as well, because when voters feel that um, the person who wins doesn't necessarily get the popular mandate, I'm sure it contributes to people's cynical attitude about voting, and many people probably just won't vote because they feel their vote wouldn't count then.
1: Sure, sure. Um, plurality definitely can, um, you know, deter people from participating in the process. And we, to have a healthy democracy, we need people participating. So um, that is one of the arguments for ranked choice voting, is it actually gets more people involved. And you know, it's really empowering and liber- liberating to the voters um, because it it lets voters show how they really feel about the options. There's no more worrying about wasting your vote, you know, quote unquote, um, on an, a lesser known or an unpopular, unviable pick, um, or, you know, spoiling the election by voting your conscience.
0: Yeah, I remember the, uh, I'm showing my age a little bit, but I remember when there was a three-way race between George Bush Sr. and Bill Clinton, and then there was Ross Perot came in as the third party candidate, and he grabbed a significant right. number of votes, but you know people said that he really cut into the votes for uh for george bush
1: right and yeah. then bush gore and Nader right after that
0: yeah exactly exactly so the spoiler it's it, it that's interesting because you know the because i personally would like to you know I've, I've fallen into the same mind trap myself i you know, get to the voting booth and i say well you know i really like this other candidate but there's no way she's going to win you know because she's like you know this third party candidate that that even though I like what she's saying and I totally believe and I get behind what she says at the end of the day you know I don't want to throw my vote away so it's it's you know, the joke is really uh, it's a difficult election because I never know who to vote against
1: right it becomes more of a you know a strategy uh, to avoid electing the lesser of two evils rather than voting for who you really believe would um, serve the people the best
0: mm-hmm so um, is there any fear about like when let's I'm just imagining myself walking into the voting booth and I've seen some of the videos on this too where they hand you the the ballot and and like it's it's a little bit more complicated though isn't it because you know you have it's simple now the way it is right you just with plurality voting like uh, just pick the person you want check it and you're done right so now you walk into the voting booth and you've got like this matrix I guess for lack of a better term sitting in front of you where you have rows and columns and you have to uh in the first column say okay my first choice is you know person x my second choice is person y and i have to move to the next column to to um to show who my second choice is is there any way to sort of simplify this because i can just see somebody just going down the first column and say well i like all these guys the same and just click them all on their first vote you know uh is, is that Well,
1: um, in cities that have implemented ranked choice voting, there's usually a good coalition of outreach going on with other organizations like the League of Women Voters, Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, if there's a fair vote chapter, where they're, um, they set out and they, they do a good education push on how to fill out a ranked choice voting ballot. But, I mean, we say it's easy as one, two, three, because we literally rank choice, you know, we rank things every day in life. Um, and exit polling in, in cities that have implemented ranked choice voting show that people understand it and they find it to be simple. And the error rate is pretty similar to plurality voting. So people either, they just don't follow directions in general, or if they tend to over-bubble, they over-bubble on ranked choice voting and on plurality ballots.
0: Okay. And in both cases, the, uh, the, uh, the ballot would have to be um, considered a casualty, I suppose, of democracy.
1: Um, okay. I guess it would depend on what kind of system the state or locality used, if they use paper ballots that get put into a machine, or if it's, you know, the direct recording equipment, which is, mm-hmm. you know, They've had a lot of problems with Virginia. We've gone to paper ballots that we have to run through a scan trunk thing. So it could easily be kicked back and the election worker could say, Hey, it's being kicked back. Do you, do you want another ballot?
0: Oh, that's a good, that's a good point. Because, you know, usually when I, my voting experience, um, you know, I'm I'm in the St. Louis, Missouri area, and um, we have paper ballots here that get scanned by the machine, but I never thought about that because I submit my paper ballot and, um, there's a there's a man standing there saying, okay, you're good to go. But I suppose right. what his job is really is to say, hey, you know, if you messed up on this ballot, here, take another one and and uh, do it right this time or something like. Or maybe provides uh, more instruction on how to actually do it correctly. Right. So I guess it goes without saying that you know, that rank choice voting enhances democracy. But can you um, um, give us more examples? I mean, there's there's issues with democracy that um may not be directly tied to voting or maybe they are like the effects of gerrymandering or or you know, duopolistic nature of our of our system is ranked choice voting have it, it a, is it like a cure-all for all these things or does it just um does it handle you know some of the aspects of democracy or, or?
1: yeah so you mentioned gerrymandering um i would like to think that it would could mitigate some of the effects of gerrymandering but i mean that unfair districting you know will affect who gets on the ballot either demographically or partisan wise Ranked choice voting affects how we vote for those people um so i mean the the voter would have you know more full expression when voting for those people but i i i think more importantly the poor with Plurality voting, you know, our current system, it limits the opportunities for innovative ideas because it protects the main two parties. Whereas if we had ranked choice voting, there may be greater exchange of possible solutions um, because it, it can have this um, civilizing effect. Um, candidates may become more civil because they would need to open the communication to more than just their loyal base. Um, Candidates would need to try to earn second and third place rankings in order to reach a majority support. So theoretically, this would make it necessary to dive deeper into issues, not just about talking points or use fear-mongering about wedge issues. Uh, Candidates might actually have to respond to third-party or um, minor-party proposed solutions to earn more votes instead of just ignoring that these other options are out there. Um, they'd have to become part of the um, dialogue at, at candidate forums. So I think you know it's it's more options, it's more choices, more voices getting involved in the conversation and kind of um, moves along a more democratic um, conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you bring up a good point there because um, I'm just thinking to my mind here that you know right now when in, in this plurality system that we're that we're for the most part, we're anchored in the system at this point. Um, we're seeing candidates out there who are speaking only to their base, and right. they're they're not speaking to the wider audience because they know that hey, people only have two choices. So all I really have to do is speak to my base, and if I can just drive them to the polls, everybody right. else gets disillusioned and doesn't vote, or they vote for the other guy's base, but so, yeah, it seems it seems like what you're saying here is that ranked choice voting really um, would affect the behavior of our candidates as well. Yeah. So, is is ranked choice voting? Is that? Um, let me see. I'm just trying to think of how this actually works in like maybe speaking of candidates, how does this work or does it work at all within the primaries for these elections? Do, Is anybody actually using ranked choice voting for primaries at this point, to your awareness?
1: Uh, I believe with, there are some states where the Democratic Party is using it in primaries. Um, you know, my real focus is Virginia. We're a single issue, Virginia-specific chapter. So um, I would definitely direct people to um, – we do have a tab on our website. This is where ranked choice voting use, and that, that's pulled directly from the Fair Vote Nationals website, and you can click on each state, and it'll tell you. Okay. Um, so I do know that there are some states where a Democratic uh, Party is using it for primaries. I think it okay. would be an excellent tool for primaries um, because that's where you find usually a, a widespread of candidates where where you – almost always have three or more candidates.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good. So, um, in your, Oh, I just want to make sure too, that we mentioned that website you're talking about. There's fairvote.org. That's the nationwide fair vote.
1: Um, that's the nationwide website. fair vote website. Yes. And then the Virginia specific web- website is fairvotevirginia.org.
0: Okay, perfect. So, um, in your personal experience, do I guess one of the things you have to do, especially on the local level right there, is you have to sort of overcome resistance. It's Do, do people generally resist the idea of ranked choice voting? Um, or do they embrace it once it's explained to them? Or what's your experience with that? Okay,
1: yes. So I would say that established legislators have concerns. Normally they would say, oh, this is too complicated for voters to understand, or it's too expensive to implement. The general populace, voters—it's um, really energizing to see the light bulb go off or go on, I should say, when we're we're at socials or info sessions, and we or we're talking to the legislative aides. Or and um, you know, once they understand it, most people become really enthusiastic about it, or at the very least, they're like, "Huh, that makes sense," you know. So um, we do get um, a lot of new members. Every time we host an event, um, people they're like, "Yeah, I want to know more. I want to help out. How do we get this passed in Virginia?" It's great.
0: Okay, so they embrace it once they, once it gets explained to them, they embrace it. Yeah, it's it's interesting from my personal experience though, because you know I didn't hear about ranked choice voting until you know, about a year ago, and I was uh, just read an article on it, and I thought, "Well, that makes sense," but my whole right. life, and I've lived, you know, okay, some up there. I'm, I'm a, one of those okay boomer people. But my whole life it's like yeah. everything's been plurality voting and um, it, and suddenly you never questioned it, right? It's just one of those things you just don't question. It's like, yeah, the sun always rises in the east. You don't question something like right. that. So, and then suddenly right. ranked choice voting comes along and I read this article and it's like, the like you say, the light bulb goes off in my head and I say, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. I can really get behind this idea. Yeah. And in some ways, it's uh, almost too good to be true. Like, how does this? You know, there's got to be some sort of catch or something. But I haven't. But I haven't been able to find that yet.
1: But there isn't a catch, and it's actionable. And you know, the, and that's why I tried out, you know, partisan politics, and I finally settled on my political activity of was going to be involved in this single issue because it's something that we could actually achieve, and that might. You know, all these other benefits might snowball after that is achieved. Like, if we could just open up the conversation a little bit more, if we could give voters um, empower them to fully express themselves, and then candidates who actually win with a true majority, all of a sudden elections are a little bit more fair.
0: Yeah, indeed. And, and it allows you know, not only, like we said before, candidates also speak more to the people, but it also allows more of a choice for people, which, you know, democracy is all about choice. So everything right. seems to fall into place then. OK, yeah. uh, just to quickly here, we've been talking with Elizabeth Melson, president and founding board member of the Virginia chapter of FairVote. We'll be back right after a short break.
2: The two party system that we've got is broken. The choices are awful. All we see is lies, cheating, deceit. You could say it about both parties. Neither one really stands for anything except acquiring and exercising power. The idea was to give the power to the people or the people who have given the power away. And that's where the system broke. Government and our political system was designed to be malleable. You know, not rigid, not ossified, not always gridlocked absolute power does corrupt absolutely and that's why the founders set the system up to avoid having concentrated power in the executive and in the national branch the founding documents are the best it's the best government so far that we've come up with Um, we're just not doing it
1: you know it's tribalism basically if if you're not on my tribe, then you're a bad person. You could say the sky is blue and I'm going to say, no, it's
0: green. I think it's right out of a 1930s era playbook where if you can divide people, make them feel like something's being taken from them, probably pays well for them to make sure that everybody's divided because, in essence, it keeps them in office, it keeps them in power, it keeps them employed.
2: The amount of money that's involved in politics, it is crazy. is a smart guy, but not even he could, uh, he wasn't going to do it either. And I was like, okay, that's it. If he can't do it, it's not gonna happen because uh, that's when I knew that the, uh, the lobbyists and the corporate interests, uh, the outside private interests that really have a hand in making sure that our political system doesn't work. Uh, I knew that they had one and I said, okay, third party is the way to go.
0: What I think we're trying to do here is is to make systemic change. Yeah, we need the right
2: people, but there's not any one person, any one charismatic personality it's going to bring about the change that we so desperately need in this country. Our biggest goals are election reform. Knock down those barriers that have been built in the ballot access game by the state governments. Fixing the dark money. Getting good health care
0: out there. We need more women, we need more minorities,
2: we need more occupations and backgrounds. We don't have set paradigms and beliefs. We just want to solve problems. So we're open books, we're data sensitive, we want data. We want to solve solutions that help the most people. Let's forget about where we disagree. Let's start with where do we agree.
0: Let facts be facts and let truth be truth and afford people the opportunity to go and find the information they need.
2: We require term limits of all of our candidates. Oh, if you have more choices and competition, uh, just like any free market enterprise, competition is going to give you a better product. Focus on innovation and really learning
1: on a local level.
2: Free press and educating people in an unbiased way. Protecting and, and controlling the deficit. With respect and courtesy. Through honesty through transparency. Mm-hmm.
0: Openness and transparency. Transparency. I think that's incredibly important uh, in a number of areas, but especially in finances, so that voters can connect the dots.
2: We want to leave this place in a better condition than we left it for the next generations, pure and simple. Not just my children, all our American kids. We need to educate every single individual in this country. So every individual has tools they need to succeed in life. Ultimately,
0: that's what we're doing this for, what we can help the American people be. Not what we say they can be, but what they want to be, and we'll get our party to that point.
2: We're supposed to help each other rise up, enlighten each other, and start by being civil and respecting other people's opinions.
0: There's nobody
2: left. We have to do it. There's right and there's wrong. (laughs) Nobody owns it. You know, JFK, I believe, was quoted as saying something to the effect of we don't need to look for the Republican answer or the Democratic answer. We need to look for the correct answer. And that's the types of conversations we're not having. As a people, are we doing what we should be doing?
0: We're back. We're talking with Elizabeth Nelson, president and founding board member of the Virginia chapter of Fair Vote. So, Elizabeth, let's uh, let's continue where we left off. I'd like to sort of bring this more to a local level, if we could. Um, you're, you're into agriculture, and you like to grow things, obviously. So uh, let's use that analogy and say, you know, once the seeds of ranked-choice voting are planted locally, w- what do you do to to grow the uh, popularity of ranked-choice voting and, and get people in your local area and, and, well, within your whole state actually talking about it?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um- A lot of it is just about showing up Um, we're basically a newly relaunching organization Um, we um, we took a break for about nine months while one of our co-founders was running for office and and uh, once she was elected we had to figure out what we were doing with our organization moving forward so right now we're kind of asking ourselves the questions that you're asking you know um, how do we move this forward and and what's the best way to mobilize and how do we bring this better way to do democracy to Virginia?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, w- what has shown to be successful that we are doing now is we're working with other organizations to co-host educational events. We're working with the local chapters of League of Women Voters and Represent Us. To co-host info sessions and socials and happy hours, um, even some partisan organizations have invited us out to speak. And at these events, we grow our followers, we grow our network, and um, you know we grow our potential impact. Um, we mobilize those that sign up to help us out at those events, and you know indeed we stay in contact with um, bill bill sponsors. You know, we we have a legislative strategy. We look back at what we did in previous years. We keep in contact with those legislators that had um, previously uh, entered rank choice voting legislation. We reach out to them again. You know, we get confirmation. Mm -hmm. Hey, are you um, sponsoring a bill this year? What can we do to help? We're here for you. Uh, And then then we host a lobby day and we mobilize all those people that we met at these um, uplifting events. And um, every year we have some incremental successes. And, you know, we're really looking forward to this year and, you know, the 2020 Virginia legislative uh, session.
0: Yeah. So the uh, so you're working directly with the state representatives and senators, that that seems to obviously make sense. And it sounds like one of your members did get voted into a position. So that would give you some um, obviously an inside track in that area as well.
1: Yeah. And we want to avoid, you know, some, you know, appearance of conflict of interest. So, you know, we will of course be um, promoting the bill that delegate elect Hudson is entering. Um, But, you know, as, as she was elected, she had to uh, retire from the organization. So, of course, you know, we'll work there in a way that's appropriate for
0: everybody. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That that makes sense. So when somebody say, when you say they become part of the Virginia chapter of fair vote, what does that mean? Is you just getting like capturing their capturing or email address, or is there like a, you know, I mean not a secret handshake or anything like that, but some sort <laughs> of uh, maybe you guys do have one, I don't know. but um, is there some sort of uh, continuous activity that that keeps you uh, engaged with these people who are expressing an interest?
1: It is mainly capturing um, contact information because it's really useful to be able to reach out to them for calls to action at key points in the legislative process. And um, in past years, we've worked with, like, a regional captain model and where, you know, we have people all over Virginia that are assigned to either do outreach events in their area or, you know, be that person that mobilizes their network to make the calls if there's a, you know, if they're in the district of a legislator that needs some additional calls put into their office.
0: I see. So is the, um, you said you kind of took a, this like a nine month, a nine month sort of, um, I don't know, sabbatical or hiatus or things yeah. like that. But is the um, is are you noticing though that the Virginia chapter is gaining membership at all, or is it?
1: Gaining? We were absolutely like people are eager to uh, advance uh, this solution. Um, through that time, we were definitely getting messages to our social medias and emails, and hey, what can we do to help? You know, I'd like to start a chapter in my area, and we would say, you know, we you know updates are coming. Know, Bear with us. Updates are coming. And then in October, um, we made the decision, the remaining co-founders, that we were going to move forward with the organization. So we put out a call for uh, nominations for a board of directors, and we were going to add five to the remaining two co-founders. Well, our membership did not disappoint. We, We got so many volunteers and nominations that we ended up adding um, seven new board members to the remaining two co-founders. And now we have this board of directors of nine highly skilled and motivated members. And um, we have a following of, you know, if you combine like our e-news list and our social media, probably about 1,500 followers and growing. And um, plus we're entering into this coalition um, it's the Swamp Busters Coalition of eight or more organizations that have made ranked choice voting one of their reform priorities for 2020. So mm-hmm. that's really exciting. Like that, that really amplifies our our membership base because then, then you know, we have this audience of all those other organizations' membership base, and I don't even know what that collective impact is because we haven't even had gotten that far in the conversation.
0: Wow. That's really, that's really good. Yeah, I think it's like you say that when, when people, um, just using myself as perhaps a, an example that, you know, once you understand what ranked choice voting is, you, you just get excited about it. So I can yeah. see with the yeah. membership, uh, or you're, you're gaining more popularity throughout the state. So, um, can you share some of the successes you've seen or, or maybe just, you know, one big success you've seen so far or, or several, if you'd like, can do you have, um, stories you can relate to us, anecdotal stories. Yeah,
1: I mean, many of our successes are kind of incremental but mighty. You know, one of the most memorable was in 2018 when we helped to get a bipartisan-sponsored bill passed through the full House of Delegates Privileges and Elections Committee. Um, To see the voting record screen like full of green check marks was just beautiful. And, you know, unfortunately it was middle of um, the session what is called crossover when when the House bills go to the Senate and the Senate bills go to the House and if your bill hasn't passed through one or the other it's, it's dead for the session so that's where we were with that bill but to see all those green checks on both sides of the aisle for our issue was just amazing and then in 2019 we went from having one or two House bill sponsors to we also had a bill in the Senate. And, and the growth of our organization with just minimal resources, um, that can certainly be considered a success, because we started out as just self-funded citizen advocates, just a handful of, you know, enthusiasts, and then, you know, to grow to the organization of what we're turning into, and then from there, you know, growing our board of really, uh, a really great professional group, and just I'm really excited to see where we go in 2020.
0: That's good. That's really good. So, going in, speaking of 2020, um, going into 2020, um, do you um, what do you see for upcoming 2020 elections? Will, will there be some ranked choice voting um, issues being debated, and perhaps even coming up in some local elections?
1: I do believe that we will have three bills again some of our previous sponsors um, on the senate side and the house side will be entering bills and and delegate elect hudson uh, our former co-founder will be um, entering a bill as well and these will be um, i'm pretty sure that these will be focused on local elections so we may be able to get a local option bill passed in 2020 virginia legislative session but it's unclear if that bill would be actually implemented in time for, you know, November 2020 elections or primaries or anything. Um, Mm -hmm. Since it would be an an option for Virginia localities, cities, counties, and towns to use ranked choice voting, um, it would need, after the bill was passed, then we would need to identify the localities who wanted to use RCV in their elections. And then they would each have to go through their process of, um, getting it enacted in their localities, if that was the will of the people there. Um, Mm -hmm. It's similar to what Utah, how Utah got ranked choice voting passed. So local option kind of pilot programs, um, localities raised their hand and said, hey, we'd like to try this. And then in the end, you know, a handful of localities went through it and they did it. And they did their exit polling and said, you know, people understood it and we elected you officials through
0: ranked choice voting. All right. So it's just uh, one step at a time. That's good. It is, yes. So um, make it a little more personal right now. You're the president of the, uh, of the Virginia uh, chapter of Fair Vote. Um, so, I mean, they don't give these titles out arbitrarily. You have obviously have a passion for this. Um, can you give us, um, relate to us a personal story of, you know, what motivated you to get involved and ultimately to become president?
1: <laughs> sure. Um, to become president, that was mostly out of necessity during our recent relaunch. But um, we had two co-founders remaining and we decided to move forward. And, um, you know, one of us, Rich Gaffin, was, you know, more suited to being treasurer and and doing the paperwork and being the acting agent of the organization. And, and one of us was, you know, vocal and and kind of a political networker and, and ready to rally the troops. So, I, like I said, it was kind of out of necessity, but it was reaffirmed in our first meeting of the new board. Um, I co-founded the organization because I feel that our right to vote is something that is precious and that should never be taken for granted. And I feel candidates are not owed our votes due to just strictly partisan allegiance. I feel that candidates should earn our votes by debating the substance of issues. And what is most attractive to me about ranked choice voting is that voters are empowered to fully express their true preferences. And I think we talked about this earlier, that not just strategically voting against the lesser of two evils. Personally, I've been been a disenfranchised voter and have had to petition to get my civil rights restored so when someone says I'm wasting my vote or um, I'm spoiling the election if I vote for this person, um, it's extra offensive to me. <laughs> yeah.
0: I see. That's good. I mean, passion is what really makes uh, makes the world go around, really. So it's very good. So um, just to sort of to wrap things up here a little bit, uh, I'm sure people are interested in ranked choice voting just listening to this. There's got to be more that they can do, though. So what uh, what actions could you suggest that interested people take now to learn more about ranked choice voting and uh, to participate?
1: Sure. If you're in Virginia, uh, go to fairvotevirginia.org slash join to get our action update uh, and t- attend or host an info session or social and um, help us mobilize and advance the cause in Virginia. If you're in another state, go to fairvote.org and find out if there's any um, action specific to your state or get involved in their congressional initiatives.
0: Wonderful. Good. So that's, uh, for Virginia, that's fairvotevirginia.org. And it's yes. all one word, no hyphens or anything mm-hmm. in between. Correct. And the nationwide for uh, go to the nationwide fair vote uh, website and then you can get more information in your local chapters there and the nationwide cool. fair vote uh, um, website again is fairvote.org. Cool. Right. Well, wait well uh really appreciate you spending your time with us uh, this evening um, now, is there anything you'd like to add before we uh, before we call it
1: I don't think so. I think uh, it's been an honor to be here and speak with you, and um, thank you for covering this issue. It helps us get the word out.
0: Well, thank you for stopping by and chatting with us. This is a really important issue. Uh, uh, Democracy depends highly on people participating, and everybody's voice must matter. And we seem to have gotten away from that in recent years with uh, plurality, plurality voting. Uh, but ranked choice voting looks like it's a pretty good solution to kind of bring people back into the democratic sort of mindset. And I don't mean the party democratic, I mean democratic as a principle of politics. Okay, so um, thank you for tuning in to the Alliance Party After Dark podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast so that you don't miss any episodes. Each week we'll bring you interesting topics from the Alliance Party. You may subscribe on iTunes, Google, or Spotify. All content for this podcast is copyright The Alliance Party. Views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of The Alliance Party. This podcast is a production of The Alliance Party, a decades long movement of fiscally conservative, moderate, accountable, and reasoned independents, former Democrats, former Republicans, and alienated voters who demand that our elected officials work in the spirit of nonpartisanship for all constituents and provide a better future for our country. This podcast was made possible by your donations to the Alliance Party. If you'd like to help sponsor this podcast directly, get in touch with us through our website at theallianceparty.com. If you'd like to join the Alliance Party, visit our website at theallianceparty.com. Drop in, see what we're all about, and get involved. Volunteer your time, make a donation, submit an article or blog, or run for office. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Dan Schaefer, producer of the Alliance Party After Dark. And on behalf of everyone at the Alliance Party, have a wonderful evening, a great week ahead, and we hope you drop in for our next show. Be safe and be aware.